Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Enjoy. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. My name is Dave Hanratty, and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 134 of the No Encore Music Podcast, your weekly music smackdown of nutrition and health on the Headstuff Podcast Network. I am joined, as always, by the handsome suited oh. man himself. Oh, thanks, Not man. wearing a suit, Craig Fitzpatrick. I am kind of wearing a suit. I just took off the jacket, so I can put on the jacket if you'd prefer, if it would put you at ease for the rest of the show. No, once again, the studio is quite uh, ferociously warm. Thank you, so appreciate it. I believe it. No Cullen this week. Oh. No Dahio Droney this week. No. It's fallen apart. The Fab Four <laughs> lasted two episodes. Two episodes. <laughs> yes. Uh, what a great run it was. But we move on. Yeah. And to we, bigger and better things. Yeah. We welcome back uh, the one, the only, the great Fanula Jones. Hi, guys. She's back. Hello. Hi, how are you? How are you? Daily Edge sensation, Vanilla Jones. Yeah. Oh, God, guys, don't hate me up too much. Twi- Twitter's uh, leading light, Vanilla Jones. Oh, Jones. Leading the Messiah. <laughs> um, thanks for mentioning my article the other day. I really appreciate that. Yeah, Vanilla wrote an article mm. about uh, Mac Miller and Ariana Grande and the reaction to Mac Miller's unfortunate passing. We tried to get you on the show. I know, man, were, scheduling conflicts. You're I've been on the road. I know, we know how it is. Yeah. You're having landlord issues. I hope that's sort of Oh, yeah, out. it's all. It's Who all is in these days? You know? <laughs> Oh, topical guys. No, for real, it's not fine. the podcast for that kind of thing. <laughs> sorry. Uh, we already had David Kidd on to discuss the housing crisis. That is very true. That's fine. So listen, um, a lot of stuff happening in a very short space of time in this hectic life that we lead. I've mentioned it a few times now, but we are doing a live show. 
takes place as part of Dublin Podcast Festival. This year's returning Dublin Podcast Festival in the Workmen's Club on Sunday, October the 14th. And if you are joining us for that show, and you really, really should, tickets are available on Ticketmaster, they're €13. Euro. Mm-hmm. You will get to see a performance by and a chat with a rising singer-songwriter sensation by the name of Lilla Vargan. She yeah. is a superb... Superb Northern Irish singer-songwriter. She's been a hit of the festival season. Her track Downtown on Spotify recently passed the coveted 5 million plays mark. Jesus. So, it's not bad. So we said, okay. How much we, revenue did you get from that? <laughs> from well, that's a question we're going to find. We'll save for the live show. Cool. Okay. So Lil will be joining us on the night. I'm very looking forward to that. She's really, really cool. Her songs are awesome. Go check her out and join us for that. Also joining us on that evening is a man, one of the hardest working men in the music industry. He's just back from a tour with Niall Horan, photographer to the stars, including Niall Horan. Christian Tierney will be joining us on the night for a bit of a chat. That's going to be really interesting. Yeah. Christian's a cool guy. Um, I'm a big fan of him on social media in particular because lately in particular he's been kind of raising some very important issues in relation to mental health in the music industry and mm. burnout and even just like you know like encouragement when it comes to picking an alternate career path like for example the life of a touring photographer sure um, and I think yeah he's a young dude he's already amassed quite a portfolio and has a lot to say about his own experiences so we're going to kind of get that perspective on the night in the Workman's Club and there's still more to be announced on top of that so like I say No Encore Live 3 Workman's Club it's basically like a studio episode with a bit of pizzazz it's going to be great and it's going to be I'm going to be there we're all going to be there Fanula you're going to turn up are you? are you going to be? no I'm kidding of course I'm going up signing tweets as per usual yeah Yeah. Yeah, I'll be there she's the real star bring your pens and your pads (laughs) so yeah that's happening. We're not performing at Slane this uh, next year. Like, I couldn't get the deal over the line. Oh, However, in our place, headlining Slane next summer will be Metallica. Yeah. it's the big one. How are we feeling about that? Uh, I shan't be going, but only because The Cure are playing Dublin the same day, and I'm excited to see them. Um, but I wouldn't mind seeing Metallica. I don't know if I'd make the trek to Slane at this point in my life. I'm really indifferent. I really, really? want to go to Slane. I've never been. I would love to oh, see. Did Kings of Leon play there? A couple of years ago, I think. I feel like they must have. No, I don't think they did. Did they not? I could be totally wrong. I think you're thinking of Bon Jovi, maybe. Anyway, but no, like I, it's a venue that is still kind of eluded me, but I, I'm sure it'll be a great show, but it's not like it's, it's not my buzz, unfortunately. Uh, But it's nice to see people so excited about it. I like watching that. I was at Slane in uh, 2001, I think it was. I saw U2 there. Okay. U2 announced a gig and it sold out. And then there was like uproar. I remember and that. And they had to do a second gig. Yeah. A week later. And I remember like the front of the Sunday Times, there was a guy, you know, the, the perspective of being inside a ticket booth and the kind of perspex glass window, whatever, like separating yeah. you from the masses. And there was one man in particular who was like up against the fucking thing with like his fist pumped and his face full of red. And I was just like, do you care that much about you two? It was a really good gig. Octung baby, mate. Red Hot Chili Peppers supported them. I can't remember who else. I was young. It was enjoyable. Yeah. Um, Celtic Tiger. Metallica, I've seen, yeah, <laughs> crazy a, days. A different, a different time. Metallica, I've seen a couple of times. They're a really good live band, and I really, really wanted them to play like three arena or something. Yeah, especially with the new album being exactly, like, yeah. worthy uh, of seeing. And I don't from. know if I'm going to bother with Slane. As for the Cure in a three-hour gig in an unannounced venue in Dublin, I can take it or leave it. Oh, really? I saw the Cure at Oxygen, which is a weird kind of sentence. I saw to them say, at Picnic. And they were fantastic. Yeah. Um, I'd be more inclined to go to the Cure now, depending yeah. on where it is. Yeah, I do. Have any cure. ideas? I'm a big cure. Any guesses? Head. Uh, I don't know, but my guess would be like Marley Park or something. Yeah, yeah. well, Kilmainham, 
possibly oh, that's kill a good yeah. 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 That's a great show, and yeah. that, that would be really good yeah. for them. Um, it's got to be a, a bone of contention for at least one couple of a certain vintage out there. You know, mm. no, we're going to Metallica. Oh no, no, no you want to go to Cure? We're praying for you. So there's a couple of gigs that have happened though. They're in the books. Myself and friend of the show, David Higgins, went to see Mitski in the Tivoli Theatre. One of your dates. On one of our mandates. <laughs> last weekend. And it was a great show. I'm jealous, yeah. <laughs> Excellent show. Be the Cowboy is one of the best albums of the year. Mm-hmm. Big fan of Mitski. She's a hell of a performer. And with regards to performance in this kind of capacity, she's given bass guitar duties off to a, a session musician for this so she can be a bit more demonstrative. And her demonstrations included pacing the length of the stage back and forth with increasing speed while singing a song. Okay. It's one of the most stressful things I've ever seen at a gig. Yeah, it I sounded got it. serious anxiety yeah. watching that. It was fucking intense. Um, she had like a wrestling style steel chair and she would sit down on that on occasion and just kind of bop about. That's cool. Um, she just has this incredible presence where like one minute she looks stoic as hell and you're like, is she in a bit of a bad mood? I can't quite tell. And then she's kind of smiling and kind of like, you know, regaling the crowd. There's just a real kind of sense of a character being played up there. The songs are excellent. Yeah. Short, snappy, melancholic ballads. Uh, a longer song that is on the album is Two Slow Dancers and she played that with just her keyboardist and guitarist oh, shit. whose name escapes me and it was astonishing. It was like fucking incredible. Knock down the Tivoli right then and there with everyone in Would it. I have had a moment was one of those? Um, I mean, I couldn't quite have a full Craig moment at it because I remain uh, (laughs) unconvinced by the Tivoli as a music venue and that's handy enough because it's getting torn down (laughs) in just a few months time you have made it so (laughs) the venue should be perfect but it's more of a club you know I love the layout but at the same time it didn't quite have the magic the sound issues are still there. I mean, I shouldn't be hearing someone who can't sing beside me or behind me louder than her. Yeah, yeah. Crowd, yeah. Were, crowd were a little bit beige. Okay. And to be fair, I wasn't like fucking like you know setting off fireworks or nothing. But it was <laughs> I'm just glad you've stopped that. It was. It was <laughs> really. It was, like, it was interesting. It, it was really good. She was fantastic. The band were great. And again, an oft quoted reference on the show, but like. Uh, absolute tragedy that she wasn't uh, at the end of an episode of Twin Peaks The Return oh yeah perfectly perfect for it more so than like you know Eddie Vedder for example (laughs) hey man he sang his heart out on acoustic guitar but there was a bigger gig in town this week so big it took place over two nights in as much as there were two set (laughs) lists and two separate gigs it wasn't a marathon (laughs) event we all went to see Arctic Monkeys on the second night of their had a great time together (laughs) tranquility based hotel and casino tour we had such a good time together that none of us saw each other on the night (laughs) and yeah, so Craig Fitzpatrick. Yeah. You're a big fan of that album. Mm-hmm. You're a fan of the band. Yeah. What'd you think? I really, really enjoyed it. I thought they had a good mix of, well, obviously it was ridiculous how silent the crowd fell when they did play the whatever four songs from the new album, which were my highlights, by the way. I thought they really worked well live. Uh, the band sounded fantastic. The bass lines in particular were tremendous off the new stuff. And Alex Turner live now. I was expecting him to maybe rub me the wrong way. I thought he was fantastic. I thought he was brilliant. I would say the same. Yeah. I really, really... Now, I'm going to be honest, I went in with, like, barrel-scrapingly low expectations <laughs> because I didn't particularly enjoy the new album oh, and really? my boyfriend okay. loves it. And I was like, this is going to be a long set. But I think, as you said, there was a good mix. I would have said they probably relied heavily on a lot of their older stuff as opposed to... Yeah, stuff, more probably so because they, thought, yeah, which, probably yeah. because they were familiar with the reception it got. But like yeah. as you said, like the title track was amazing. Like that, just that chorus just kind of like creeps up on you and just 
completely takes you in. I loved it and I was obsessed with the set. It was just oh, so, so cool. Like, oh, it was just beautiful. Like, I thought, I know you made, Dave, you made the comparison to the Kanye uh, floating well, ring. I said that in like an Instagram Starkey post. I wrote a review for Joe basically saying that the setup was genuinely quite cool. I mean, it's this kind of 70s throwback yeah. thing in line with the concept of the album, the concept being a, yeah. a hotel on the moon. And yeah, it had that kind of Kubrickian lighting thing that came up and down. And But yeah, Kanye did it better, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> but as regards, yeah, the aesthetic was kind of cool, but I just, I don't know. I mean, the whole thing to me feels very, like it's, it, it is performance art, it is a concept album, these are all fine, but I find myself just genuinely still confused as to who this is all for. Um, what, are, do you mean the new album in particular? Or in the, particular, uh, yeah. And okay, just like sorry. Alex Turner kind of like, relegating his bandmates for the most part to these kind of just chess pieces that he, you know, like lines out on the stage perfectly while he's off, you know, doing the Bruce Springsteen swagger thing. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't But are like, is that it? not expected of rock front men? I don't buy it. He looks like he's playing dress up to me. Well, that's the, that's the whole thing, isn't it? He's clearly like insecure in that role of like when the band started, he didn't want to really be there on stage. He was just like, okay, I'll just p- power through the songs. So to actually become that front man that's somewhat charismatic or gives something to the crowd he has to detach himself to an extent so he's kind of mocking himself being this character it's like when Bono did that like ironic thing in the 90s except this is slightly cooler I don't know I just I found it, it quite jarring I found I found the set list quite disjointed and when they would throw out like a Brian Storm or a 505 oh, what? I mean, no no they're great songs <laughs> yeah. and you can't you can't argue with them but again they're wrapped up in this weird melange of this new record where I was just like I don't quite know who the joke is on here this is the audience you know, maybe. But the audience don't seem to care. They're just like, fuck it. I it's thought, our, yeah, I thought they were... monkeys, no matter what they do. Yeah. yeah. I just thought they were really receptive to everything, which I was kind of surprised. I didn't mm. really notice, a, like, a lull at any... Like, I noticed that like there would obviously be a significant difference in, like, volume and interest, but not to the point that I was expecting. I think people were a lot more on board with the songs live, I think, and were willing to kind of give it more of a chance. Yeah, and I think they did just enough to kind of coax people along. And I thought the segues kind of worked quite well. Yeah, um, I will say four out of five I thought was the highlight. Four out of five was great. I thought it was spectacular. I think it's one of the best songs of the year. But I was bored. They didn't do American sports. I was raging. I was, That's my, one of my songs. Here. I was bored a lot, man. It was fine. It you was, were sitting down now. I was standing downstairs. I was sweating. To I was in a full suit, a full coat, which I did not take off. Standing looked insane because they put more tickets on sale. It was yeah. heaving. The day yeah. of both heaving, gates. And I remember yeah. looking down and it was just like, there, like yeah. a swarm. It was yeah. insane. I was also sitting, so I was fine. But I was dancing, so. <laughs> I had front row seats. I was which down were, with the real people. Yeah. yeah. I, I had front row seats. It was like <laughs> last minute. And thanks very much for getting me those tickets. Uh, Rory. <laughs> but uh, ultimately, <laughs> it was it was fine. It was in the middle. I'm not convinced. It's whatever. Arctic Monkeys 2018 confuses me as to their fans. Yeah, I mean, I thought the, the kind of audience thing was probably the most jarring. But no, as a band, I thought fantastic performance I enjoyed it thoroughly right let's get to the news mm. busy news week a lot happening Wolf Alice won the Mercury Music Prize a week ago well Woo! done to them. well done congratulations to Wolf Alice Westlife have returned well done to them yeah <laughs> we'll get into a little bit more detail Wolf Alice yeah uh, Visions of a Life an album we're fond of a band we're fond of bit of backlash some people kind of saying they don't deserve it Yada, yada, yada. Apparently Lily Allen wasn't very happy. Apparently she was, the camera panned to her crying apparently, which she later came out and was like, no, someone just said something really sweet to me and then I started crying. <laughs> at I was this a bit exact like, moment. Why I, would she have been crying at the decision anyway? 
Like, because she lost. No, no, but I know. But like, the, it's like that doesn't make sense as a reaction. You'd be slightly miffed or something, but you wouldn't start crying, would you? I don't. Uh, I don't know. Like, I would have thought Wolf Alice deserved it over her, but I suppose the whole narrative of that album and her book at the minute is all very like she's had a rough time of it, sure, which I'm yeah. absolutely not disputing. But yeah. I think it might have been like a kind of a pinnacle or like a nice end to the yeah. to the story Noel perhaps. Gallagher seemed happy with a shout out that he got from the guitarist whose name I think is Theo after Ellie Russell front woman for Wolf Alice simply could not compose herself Yeah, she literally couldn't do a speech Theo's very nice I interviewed him before they seem like cool guys I like the band quite a bit and I think the album is good I think the Mercury Prize itself is just kind of generic it's, and boring it's so hit and miss who cares? Really, like, you can't really put any stock in it can you really I mean matter. there's some great winners some meh winners it doesn't seem to be a good indication for how the rest of your career is going to go. No, and also it's like the MasterCard Mercury Prize. Like, come on, lads. We all know what this is. Yeah. Um, to Ching. <laughs> Speaking of to Ching, Westlife, back amongst it with no Brian McFadden. Wise move? Yes. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> do but, we, far do away we, from that man as possible. Do we reckon? <laughs> People do we, of Earth. Do we reckon, what, do we reckon it was Brian McFadden's recent drink driving boast uh, slash oh I'm going to double down on it? Or do we reckon it was when Brian McFadden called it ISIS for a scrap that made the lads go, maybe we should just keep it the way it was at the end of this? <laughs> I'd say they were looking for an excuse. Yeah. I'd say they were like, yeah, okay, we've got it. We've got him. <laughs> we, Listen, he wasn't on for like that Rat Pack tribute record they did. So they weren't like... The pinnacle. The pinnacle, yeah. Westlife's they couldn't career. bring him back. Like, no. I'm really excited. What's your favourite Westlife song? And why is it um, My Love? Flying With It Wings. Flying with, oh, yeah, that's yeah. the only one that comes to mind. Flying With It Wings is a fucking... Give us some options. Not, that's not even in my top five. Yeah, okay. 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 Give us your top five. Wait, 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 wait. Your top five. Yes. Um, do, you, do you have it in order? Or no, just? not in order. Okay. It, Fanula Jones, Westlife, top five. Okay, My Love. Um, if I Let You Go Seasons in the Sun which is a cover um, <laughs> oh, what I've done. looking like that yeah that's um, a bop and the Mariah Carey collaboration that's also a cover <laughs> how, Bill how is Fire of the Wings not in your top five it's just oh, it's, too, it's way too cheesy like it's Westlife <laughs> like oh there's levels of cheese I would Westlife. take the cover of Uptown Girl over what oh, you oh sorry honourable mention to the cover of the I believe Angels. Yeah, the song. Yeah. yeah. And it's that really weird and it's the really weird Christmas movie and it's just children yeah. and it's bizarre, but it's incredible. On the subject of covers, by the way, because I did this today and I feel like people should just go and validate my work. Uh, Spotify have a throwback Thursday playlist out at the moment. It's out, it's out for a week, so you get you have time. And it's fifty famous covers. And I found myself debating them because Eric Clapton is in there with I Shot the Sheriff, which I think is what? really extremely problematic because Eric Clapton is a fucking racist. Well, he was a racist in the 80s when he was on drugs, Dave. <laughs> He's over that now. To be fair, as a friend of the show, Josh Hughes pointed out, like, you know, there was recently an article in the Irish Times by Donald Clark, who I love, by the way, and the headline was... Eric Clapton like reflects on his bizarre racist past and Josh was like Ted Bundy reflects on his bizarre serial killing <laughs> yeah, past yeah, yeah, just funny. imagine him in an armchair just like stroking his chin like being Look, like I'm all that was for, a time I'm all for the rehabilitation of people I am Eric Clapton said some really fucked up shit in the 70s uh, that is indefensible to me I think he himself may have said that however I can't I can't vibe with Spotify throwing his cover of Bob Marley's I Shot the Sheriff into their fucking Spotify playlist. Like, let's all have a good day, guys. There are some belters in that playlist, though. No doubt It's My Life. Astonishing cover. That's Mm. great. Yeah, better than the original, I'd say, yeah. See, this is my favourite part about this. Who's the original? Talk Talk. 
This is my favorite Buckner, part about like, this, right? Poppy you weren't people. born, Fanula. Talk Talk was one of the best alive. bands of all time, by the way. Talk Talk. Yeah. Okay. They have like three masterpieces in a row. We'll get there. Just, okay. we're, we're overdue a listening guide. Stop atting me. Uh, so listen, <laughs> here's what here's what I'm going to do. If you go to joe.ie or my Twitter feed, you will see that I have uh, gone through all 50 songs in the Spotify playlist. Today? Today. <laughs> I did this in an hour and a half. He works hard for the money. So hard so for the money. So hard for the money. And I did work hard for the money today. So I've gone through every single one of them. And <laughs> I've... Sounds like a very considered piece. I didn't even consider it. I my, can't wait to my see My editor this. was on lunch and I was like, I'm not even asking. <laughs> I'm just doing it. When he comes back, he's going to have... He's gonna I have can't wait to see He's going to have 2,007 words to read. Uh, th- there's lots of them in there where I feel like people will go, that's that's a cover? Like, there's plenty of them. Mm. So that's... It's a fun stay-at-home adventure, listener. Go check it out. As for Westlife, the rumour is that they're playing Croke Park. They've apparently uh, collaborated with Ed Sheeran. This sounds like a proper comeback. Yeah, Not just I'm a excited. cash grab. Yeah. I'm kind of glad that they're Artistic doing it. Artistic statement. I'm kind of glad that they're doing it proper, though, as opposed to, like... Hamhock or however I don't know like, like boys don't keep just calf coming back and then just boys life give them their proper title please Craig oh sorry respect the boys life. <laughs> but they're doing that thing where they'll like test the waters a bit and be like yeah people still aren't really interested we'll just re- yeah again. like as much as I like love it for the nostalgia factor and I'll 100% pay whatever amount of money to go see them wherever they pay like I don't know if I'll be like absolutely banging out the new track especially if Ed Sheeran co-wrote it I'm just a bit like mm. where do they fit now in 2018 like I don't I don't think they do there is an audience um, I've seen websites with like the share numbers next to them and I've seen over 35,000 shares for the article about them playing Croke Park or coming back or whatever so it's Tag Your Mate Central yeah a lot of my peers are very excited about it as well which I wasn't really like palpably excited which I, I mean, wasn't expecting forgive me if I don't think it's going to be Take That coming back in 2006 who by the way they just announced a second Dublin date for next year they got Rick Astley on tour with them <gasps> so there you go stand oh in for Robbie or? we have to go <laughs> I saw Take That in Croke Park uh, back in the Progress oh, Tour oh I'm so jealous I used to constantly watch your live DVD when I was <laughs> doing my leave insert <laughs> just like as a way to procrastinate <laughs> the fucking DVD extras on that are amazing Gary Barlow talking about screens for like 20 minutes. <laughs> oh my god. Tell wow. us more, Craig. Oh yeah, what, what, what other actors do you he have? Was, oh, so he was like, um, he was talking about how they have the best screens. Um, <laughs> in Like the best company in Manchester, they got <laughs> the screens. Then there's all the, like he, like he gives you these nuggets where he's just like, uh, okay, see, I disappear off stage here. I'm downstairs just having a cup of tea. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> the magician pulls back the curtain. <laughs> The Progress Tour was actually fantastic, to be fair to them. They're yeah, great they're showmen. Great. I'd rather see Take That than Westlife, but who knows. Maybe, of course! Maybe we can see both. <laughs> Sorry, can I also just stress that I actually blanked and completely forgot Uptown Girl. Like, I'd swap out the Mariah Carey one for Uptown okay. Girl. Good Before call. anyone Good lynches call. me. Before we get on with the news, we still have some more to get to. Uh, just to note that on today's show, we have an interview with Connor O'Brien from Villagers. Yeah. Woo! So that's coming up later on, and we're going to review the new album from Suede after that. We'll get there. Up next, Craig Fitzpatrick is on The Gossip Beat. <laughs> What's been happening in the world of celebrity relationships, Craig? So Ezra Koenig, um, favourite of the show, and Rashida Jones, who I guess is probably a favourite of the show, though we probably haven't discussed her before. They're a thing, to your surprise, Dave. Had no idea. I was aware, were you? Aware also, to my surprise, and I, like, I feel like I should have been absolutely on that, given now, it's kind of my job. I feel job. kind of bad that I know about it. I feel like I'm reading too much How about it. How serious is this relationship, would you say? They've been going out for about two years, Yeah, at least, I think like, there's yeah. another... Uh, is there anything else that, make, that, that might make this stand out? Oh, <laughs> And to my surprise, they've been 
hiding a child to go and push a tea. <laughs> uh, yeah, according to reports this week, the couple's child, uh, Isaiah Jones Koenig, which is a great name, Fantastic was born yeah, on stunning. August 22nd, so they didn't make any announcement. Why should they? Uh, Ezra has been announcing, or like on stage, is saying that the album's done, the Vampire Weekend one, which is... The more important birth here. For, for this baby. show, probably. Yeah, we'll, we'll let them have their private lives. Um, but also, Rashida Jones has been extremely busy in other regards as well. Um, her documentary on the... Extraordinary life of her father, Quincy. Quincy Jones, yeah. yeah. There's a two hour and four documentary about him on Netflix. Did anybody watch it? I didn't. I'm going to get to it, but. Oh. I will. I watched it! Yay! Yay! <laughs> I watched Thank it. the Lord. I watched it on Monday night. <laughs> two hours and four minutes. Now, Quincy Jones, a uh, legendary music producer. Like, yeah. If you don't think you know him, you do know him. He's been involved in. An, an insane amount of music and he's worked with Sinatra he produced Thriller he's, worked with them all <laughs> you name it so listen uh, we talked about him on the show before he gave two stunning interviews this year one with GQ one with Vulture both of which you need to read I'm not even going to tease any further do go read them they were so good that he had to make a public statement saying that his daughters including Rashida Jones basically said can you retract some of this please Yeah. can you not talk like this anymore dial it down and he did that, and it was a shame. And it's a total shame as well that she was the director of this film because he dialed it down. She dialed it down. They all dialed it down. Okay. It's a hagiography, and now I was expecting it to be like that anyway. Mm. It is more tribute than, you know, kind of delving. But it's just a big Wikipedia page. I mean, and we get, yeah, you get unprecedented access. You do get a lot of up close and personal stuff that you would never see. And there's some really, really funny stuff. Like at the start of it, he's at various different award shows, posing with women who are all probably the combined age of him. Uh, he's like 85 now or something. Yeah. Is he? About that. And there's a great bit where like he takes a photograph with these like five models. And then as soon as like the, the photo is taken, he turns around to the girl next to her and he's like, What's your name? <laughs> like he's just really like, Always on, Quincy. Old school. Lionel <laughs> Richie. Problematic. <laughs> Lionel Richie coming after him going, I can't keep up with you, Quincy. How do you do it? Which is like, I party all the time, man. So then Smash Cut Like to, Eddie Murphy. Sorry. Smash Cut to Quincy Jones like in a hospital bed. He had a couple of health scares. He's led a genuinely extraordinary life. And it gets into that. It gets into his relationship with his mother, which is extremely difficult and has had left scars in him his whole life. But he's been married like four or five times. He's got lots of children. And they only kind of, they really gloss over it. I tell you, maybe we did know this and I forgot it. I mm. did not realize that he was married to fucking... Um, Twin Peaks. Uh, oh yeah, What's Peggy. Name, from uh, Peggy Lipton is the name of the Peggy actor. Lipton. Yeah, uh, uh, Norma. Norma in Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah, I did know that. That's Rashida Jones' mother. Yeah. So he's he, like he's he's been around. And the only really surface level get into that. Like nobody really sits in down and goes, "What's the story with your relationship with women?" Like I mean, it's a bit much, isn't it? I suppose his daughter is pro- that's probably a tough thing for she her. Yeah. Yeah. Like she- they joke about it a couple of times, and like, uh, but her questions are more like. You know, what do you think of the importance of ego? Like, it's it's really surface level. Like, Rashida Jones is a really good actor, and she yeah. has promise as a filmmaker. She's not a journalist. You know, this is not made by journalists. It gives you all the surface level access that you would ever want, but no one's asking the questions. And also, you know, she might be a journalist, but this definitely wasn't going to be the subject matter where she revealed her. Well, you know it could have been. Well, I it suppose it could have been. been. It should have been. That was never going to happen. Yeah. But why not? I don't know make Christmas comfortable she doesn't have to do a hatchet job on the guy imagine she had he seems quite an open guy I mean again you know you see a lot of people pop up and there are cool moments like you know he's like he's doing this uh, he's open this like it builds to this kind of thing about like the Smithsonian Museum opening this African American wing 
of artists and activists over the years who've been incredibly important. And Quincy's really, really on board with this. He's kind of curating it. And he's trying to get people to kind of show up at the event to announce it. And, like, the Obamas are going to be there. Oprah Winfrey's going to be there. He really wants to get Colin Powell, and they can't get him. So he just picks up his phone, rings him, and then, like, puts it back down and goes, yeah, he's in. So, like, that even element where you're like, Jesus, this man has insane reach and power, and people love him and respect him and will do anything for him. Yeah. It's only really seen from a sidelong way. It's fine. But for a two hour and five minute documentary, eh, miss the mark. Yeah. Miss Is it mark. worth like a watch for entertainment value just for the, st- you know, the stories? Oh, yeah, and sure. The kind of, but like yeah, it, yeah. while you're doing the ironing or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. But yeah. All right. And congratulations to Rashida Jones and Ezra Koenig. Uh, congratulations to Quincy Jones for still <laughs> powering on. But, congratulations uh, to Wolf Alice. Congratulations to Westlife. Westlife. Yeah. Uh, congratulations to Metallica for playing Slain. Yeah. Uh, congratulations, congratulations to, to the Cure for not being concerned about Metallica playing Slain and booking a gig anyway. <laughs> That's confidence. Congratulations, Robert Smith. <laughs> Congratulations to the American justice system. Yes. <laughs> because this Ladies week, and gentlemen, we got him. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Shug Knight has been jailed for 28 years. What did he do, Craig? And who is he? Shug Knight, uh, the terrifying figure behind Death Row Records, um, who just basically, I mean, like a laundry list of crimes... Um, Alleged crimes, I guess, against musicians Be over the really years. But careful. he was finally, yeah, he was finally taken down um, for running over and killing a Compton businessman. He um, pleaded no contest to voluntary manslaughter, and he's agreed to serve nearly thirty years in prison. That's weird phrasing, isn't it? Agreed to serve, yeah, thirty years sounds about right. Yeah. There was apparently a moment during the trial where, like, he pulled up uh, whatever was being said about him and, uh, and like a previous crime that he was that he apparently committed. And he really was like, going, hang on a minute now, I didn't do that. And they were like, you you served time for it, man. And then he was like, fine, move on. Yeah. <laughs> terrifying, man. Um, so really I'm say, terrifying. I'm not going to say negative about him, in case he's listening. Um, his reach is global, I, would pre- I presume. Uh, and my concerns are global, uh, for, for, <laughs> for that reason. But I will say this, and I, I'm going to do the Seinfeld gag here of manslaughter. Literally the slaughter of a man. I know, it's and a it's strange, strange, strange thing. It's the least it? serious form of murder. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. strange. But yes, he's off to jail, and where he can no longer allegedly dangle vanilla ice out of a window <laughs> uh, uh, to keep him in his contract. Oh my God. Which apparently happened. So, uh, yeah, uh, you shouldn't have killed that guy, I guess. <laughs> a really That's terrifying That's the takeaway from dude. this story. Yeah, Don't yeah. do that. Don't kill people. <laughs> Spotify aren't fucking around at the moment. They're teaming up with Ancestry, that DNA... Uh, Database, I guess. Service, yeah, testing yeah. service. Yeah. yeah. So you know, you might think that well, we haven't been invasive enough with modern media, have we? And now Spotify will create playlists based on their users' DNA. Yeah, I who's don't know. signing up for the social experiments? I mean, it's just capital not. D Dodge. Like I nominate yeah. for Nilla Jones. I really, absolutely don't want to do that. But thanks for the nomination. <laughs> How do we help people experience their culture and not just read about it? Just Music seemed like an obvious way to do that. <laughs> said Ancestry's executive vice president, chief marketing officer, Vinit Mera. <laughs> Folks yeah. over at Spotify said that's a great idea. Yeah, and why did they? I feel like they're stumbling into an absolute shitstorm with this kind of thing. How does no? it work? I'm not, I don't really know to be quite well, I don't know how they're going to do it either. All I know is that it's like there's room for it to get extremely racist extremely fast. Even beyond like the whole data thing and you pretty much giving up your rights to your DNA and them doing whatever they want with it. It's I think it's going to be 
a mess if they go ahead with it. Yeah, like I guess it's to do with obviously Ancestry provides you with a breakdown of kind of where you come from and all your roots. And I guess they just take the percentage games and give you different playlists based on yeah, I typical don't think, genres. I don't think we're looking at full Twilight Zone stuff here where you have to like go in and like, you know, yeah. present bone, bone marrow or something. I, yeah, think yeah. It's just take my I guess blood. it's just... Take my blood, Spotify. Yeah, like bespoke playlists for your kind of DNA results or whatever. You'd be really gutted though if like you did it. And then you got like you know Mr. Blobby back or something. You're just like, what would that even mean? Love like, yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> I have never related to someone as strongly as Mr. Blobby. What's Mr. Blobby up to these days? Well, uh, as a anthropomorphic uh, alien man who isn't a real uh, thing. I think the suit is probably in BBC's museum somewhere. Okay. All right. Or maybe no. Less one I asking? Asking? You don't have to be so catty. What do you reckon he's like house sharing with Noel Edmonds? <laughs> Believable. Knowing I've Edmonds, heard. I would not yeah. be surprised. In these difficult times. Did Noel Edmonds like launch some weird dog dating <laughs> service or like <laughs> what? recently this, like, or no no it was, was a, dog, a dream, dream this, it was, no it was a dog themed radio station that he was launching oh I've heard about this yeah. yeah 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 oh yeah I think we talked about it on the show so did it go know. ahead I've no idea but maybe Mr. Blobby's like station programmer I don't know we don't follow it. up on this we're not journalists hang on I love <laughs> the idea of Mr. Blobby station programmer <laughs> Okay, thanks for coming in today, guys. Uh, it's three three minute segment. Please don't mention Noel's dating life. <laughs> Jesus. Just focus on the dogs. Oh Gone to the dogs. Apple, meanwhile, are being very strange. They are, of course, as with everyone, they're trying to get involved and dominate the landscape of, of media and pop culture. And they have a streaming service that's upcoming. We don't know the full details of which, but they're making original content. And they've signed up like big fucking names, as you might imagine, because they got a lot of money. One man who was going to be involved is Dr. Dre mm. who apparently was producing an original show based on him which would star the likes of Sam Rockwell Michael K. Williams and Ian McShane as different versions of his personality and Apple have rejected the show they say it's too violent too much sex and they want a sanitized kind of wholesome middle America product here across the board <laughs> what? Like, so no. why did they commission this in the first yeah. place? so bizarre I don't like I I don't know even I like I don't know what they were Thinking. They've just wasted an awful lot of time as well. What I, are they expecting? Like, I don't understand their play here. Like, They're trying to compete in this regards with the likes of Netflix and things. How can you just do sanitised family-friendly stuff and expect to gain an audience? And yeah, why would you say... Ugh. It makes no, no sense. No, but also, like, them. okay, fair enough, you do want to do that. That doesn't seem very commercially viable to me, but whatever. But like, if you've committed to a story like... Dr. Dre's or like whoever else and you have any kind of vague idea of their background like surely are you going to be that surprised when there's a bit of swearing and a bit of riding and a bit of fighting do you know what I mean? Was Tim Cook just there being like what is Ian McShane saying? (laughs) (laughs) It's baffling that they were so unaware. He was the darling and lovejoy. (laughs) What do you mean he was in some western? Yeah it seems very strange and also a waste of time and money. Yeah. And again, I mean, like, why would you greenlight? The project was called Vital Signs, and it's now dead on arrival. Oh, Uh, bum Well, speaking of a waste of time and money, um, Noah Cyrus, her fake thousand dollar tears have landed her in hot water. So Noah Cyrus has a new album out, and um, I guess as a kind of promotional thing, she put up a listing of a $12,000 bottle of tears on her merch site. Um, 
didn't think that people were actually going to try to buy it. Um, someone tried so hard that Cyrus has had to reimburse an entire GoFundMe campaign about it. Um, so yeah, she's she broke up with Lil Xan, as you guys know. Oh, which was, yeah, yeah, I took that one hard. High nice. melodrama. Not um, fully, not, I'm not fully ready to move on and talk about it, but you know. No, no. So she opted to kind of create this emotionally charged merch line. Um, there was various things, but obviously this small vial of the teenager's tears priced at weeping $12,000 was kind of the big takeaway. According to the product description, the bottle contains 12 tears made by Noah Cyrus as a result of sadness. And the site advised customers not to digest tears because uh, tears are generally pretty salty and that would be super fucking weird if you drank someone else's tears. The tears, of course, did not exist. This was just a total gimmick thing. Um, and actually, if you attempted to buy it via the store, your money was kind of automatically put back into your account. But one user, Sad Siren, which is very on brand, decided to start a GoFundMe campaign, um, basically saying they love Noah so much that they need this bottle. In just 15 hours, eight people donated to Siren's cause, bringing the total to $1,000, 240. Uh, yeah, one, per- one person donated $1,000 to this. Um, I was having same. a difficult day, okay? <laughs> Not here to be judged. GoFundMe caught wind. They were like, okay, we have to make amends. Pol- apologies were issued. Everyone's refunded. But just, yeah, it did not go well at all. Now, my head is spinning after that. <laughs> Lil Zan has named his album Total Zanarchy, apparently. Yeah. yeah. So he set himself a bit of a precedent there, hasn't he? Yeah. He's going to have to continue that gimmick yeah. for the entire thing. So, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because, I mean, like, like literally, like, the idea of, like, drinking someone else's tears, it's the type of thing that can only be imagined in some kind of strange book. For example, Hannibal by Thomas Harris, in which uh, the arch-villain Mason Verger drinks the tears of orphaned children. Do you reckon that's what she was going for? Possibly. Did you ever watch Hannibal, the TV show? Still have to get to it. I watched, like, three episodes, and I didn't quite get into it at the time, and I didn't return. But Legitimately I would, one of the best TV list. shows okay. of the last several years, and Craig just won't, Craig won't play he won't do anything I asked him to do fair yeah well I'm not going to watch it either so (laughs) right Uh, sorry it's a really good show guys but you know if you you want to rewatch the OC like it's not on it's not on Netflix I don't think (laughs) I'd have to find like an illegal oh maybe I could buy it I suppose I could buy it (laughs) 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 not even didn't even enter my head money can be exchanged for goods and services (laughs) that's how Craig rolls if I don't have it already in front of me or an illegal access to it well then what this card <laughs> cannot compute. Well, do you know what else I could buy in our final news story I, I, before I we actually, get on to villagers? I actually interview. expect you to buy this. <laughs> yeah, actually. Um, if you want to see a Miguel show in like VIP style, you can get the meet and greet package, um, which also contains uh, the opportunity to meditate with the star. He's doing meditation sessions with his fans. What do we think of that? It's a very Miguel thing to do. Yeah. I think, was he saying that he started it around the time of uh, Wildheart? The one before the last one? That would make sense because Wildheart was shit. So he's too busy (laughs) meditating, obviously. So I'm glad I have an answer to why Wildheart was so bloated and awful. But (laughs) Yeah, I mean, meditation and music tends to run a strange path. I'm not anti-meditation, yeah. can I just Craig's say? Craig's pro-meditation. So, I mean, like, okay, well, like you're a Miguel fan and you're pro-meditation. Yeah. Is this great news or are you like, I don't know, man? I'd have to see what price it is first, possibly. Yeah. I, I, you have to admire his commitment to, like, these meet-and-greet things, right? Like, he's he's doing the whole guided meditation session. He's not yeah. just kind of like, get a quick picture, blah, blah, blah. Don't touch me. Let's don't just get a photo of standing side by side. Yeah. $200. Yeah. The response has been overwhelmingly positive and inspiring, he said. 
Which is what you would expect a yoga teacher to say. <laughs> so fair play to him. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to do the Craig and Kanye sting or talk much about it. We're just going to say that Yandy has been confirmed to be uh, an album. And it drops yeah. this weekend. Yeah. Very excited. But he, And has also said that he doesn't care that it's not going to be number one because Lil Wayne is dropping. Yeah, the Carter, the Carter five. five. So Finally, after seven or eight years. Yeah. So much music. Yeah. So little time. So I don't know time. if he's underestimating that though. I think it could be close between him and Lil Wayne. Yeah, well, I imagine Maybe, Lil, I Lil Wayne's will probably be like about 22 tracks long, which will bolster oh his numbers. And yeah. he'll do proper like merch bundles. And I'd say Kanye will just throw this out on like a Sunday, uh, you know, it'll arrive Here's late. A and just, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> do what you want with it. <laughs> one album that is already among us and one that very much blew us away is The Art of Pretending to Swim by Villagers. We're going to take a quick listen to Fool from that record, which you really, really need to go and check out if you've yet to do so. It's stunning. And after that, where through the magic of digital stitching, myself and Cullum O'Regan somehow <laughs> will be having a chat with Connor from Villagers. So enjoy that, and we'll be back with this crew in about 20 minutes. Delighted to be joined on No Encore by the one and only Connor O'Brien of Villagers fame. Hello, hey, Hello. how's it going? How you doing? We always Hello. like try our best to uh, have stadiums full of applause. Does I? Uh, he is joining us on release day for the Art of Pretending to Swim, which we gave a glowing review to on last week's show. Not just because you were coming on the episode, but thank God it worked out. I know, yeah, right. <laughs> Imagine we were like, it's pretty bad. Well, there are always those moments where you're just like, I hope it's good. <laughs> And it was fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. I can tell that you mean it. <laughs> album number four. Uh, I mean, like, you ask him with every record, it's like in a second album. Well, I guess this was very different from recording your debut, blah, blah, blah. What was different about this one then? <clears throat> what was different? Um, basically, it started out as not, I didn't think it was going to be a Villages record. I thought I was going to make like a side project with like everything I'd learned from building a studio and making weird electronic music and... Um, it, to the point where I actually called my manager and said, I think we're going to have to do this under a different name and everything. And then I ruined it by writing words. And it became a Villagers album. Yeah. Did you have that name picked out? The Art of Pretending to Swim? No, the, the alternate name that you would have had oh, to give as an artist. Um, no. <laughs> Damn it. There's so much scope here. Like, I, mean, oh. I don't know if I'm lying, though. I think I probably did, but I can't actually remember right now. I we'll come up with one in the meantime. Won't <laughs> yeah, we of on? course. Yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> And, and so the, the actually album title though was a funny one because I was obsessed with the new Twin Peaks episodes while I was writing it, and you know Siobhan, Siobhan Kane, uh, Young Hearts Run Free. Yes. So yeah, she would yeah. come over. We'd watch every time. We'd watch like every every week or something a new Twin Peaks, and then I'd play her like really bad versions of the songs and stuff. And then we had this like wine field discussion one night about what Twin Peaks was actually about at its core, <laughs> and we decided it was about um, the origin of trauma. So for about two weeks, that was the album title, The Origin of Trauma. And now she's still angry at me because I haven't named it that. Two things I would like to say is I, I, I will confess I have already spoken to Connor today for a separate piece that I'm doing. And I asked you, what TV show would you like to pop up in playing music? How did you not say Twin Peaks The Return? 
That's a good point. Did, he, did yeah. he go like weaker corners and say the OC as No, I, I prefaced it by mentioning it, it was this. Uh, Actually, a friend of mine, Annie, from you know, the band Au Revoir Simone, mm-hmm. she popped up at the end they of one. They played Lark, yeah, was which was absolutely away. stunning. Yeah, I, I loved it. I, I loved Twin Peaks The Return. And uh, I, for me, the ending of the first kind of mega episode last year when Chromatic showed up at the end of it. Oh, yeah. It was the greatest marriage of audio and visual. I was so taken away and stirred. And I also can't believe it's been almost a year and a half since that was on when that came back. Mm. That's scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scarier than David Lynch did. <laughs> so, yeah, no, sorry. Uh, uh, Craig will be really upset that he's not here for this. Oh, yeah. uh, he's the, the resident Twin Peaks guy. But, like, uh, do you want more Twin Peaks? I, I, I'm happy with it now being done. People are like, no, no, we clearly need more. And I'm like, I don't know. I think it was as realised as that can be. Yeah, it kind of feels like it didn't, it would never really end though, you know, so yeah, it's kind of open-ended and yeah, I'm happy with that, yeah. I will say the origin of trauma, like, I mean, not that it doesn't work, but it's it's, it's a <laughs> bit metal album. <laughs> Could you see a Villager's metal album happening in the future? No, definitely, no, no. The closest I would have got, I was obsessed with Faith No More when I was growing up, so it wouldn't really be metal, it would be kind of what would they be? They'd be like a melodic prog kind of metal, kind of prog yeah. metal. A bit poppy as well. Yeah. Very much They so. definitely had like a, like hooks and mm. yeah, so it would be a prog pop metal album. If, okay. if, if, I think we know what the next album will sound like. <laughs> but as for this one. <laughs> yeah, like, so, I mean, as you say, it kind of has its roots in sort of like electronic production, so on and so forth. Is that, is that how people should be listening to it, so to speak? Like, I asked because we had David Kidd here two weeks ago, and he said that, like, since New Jackson, a lot of people are going back to his singer-songwriter stuff, and he feels they're hearing it more as it was intended, to use his own mm. words. So, yeah. is is there kind of an intended way for people to approach this record? Um, no, I don't think so. I think it should just be approached with... Caution. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trauma. Actually, that's probably the best way to put it. Approach with baggage. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. No, I just think I just see it as textures and sounds, and I don't really have any um, willing. I don't really want to put it into any sort of genres or boxes or anything. It yeah. just seems it sort of crosses over various different um, techniques of making music and stuff. It's inevitable that people are going to look back at Darling Arithmetic and see it as being, I don't know, maybe a reaction to how stripped back and raw that album was. Definitely, yeah. Um, but I think I also learned a lot from that album in terms of holding on to grooves and not overthinking things. And I tried to bring that into the next, into this record, basically. And even if it sounds quite different, I think it's, I think they've got some similarities. Um, uh, and actually, I think David Kitt finally likes my music as well. Cause it's well had that crazy. been like a, a bit of a conflict of interest? <laughs> no, he or? just, well, we've, we've met recently and, and he was like, I think you found your groove, man. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. And then we the hugged. implication that you hadn't before, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't, no, he was, he was doing it from a loving place. It's that nice musician backhand oh, compliment. Oh, you finally get it. <laughs> <laughs> like, like after four albums. Uh, with, the, with regards to the electronic textures, I mean, like, I think that's the perfect word for it, textures. I mean, it could have been easy to get carried away with this and that could overshadow the intent, but I think it's got just the right balance. Cool. The porridge is just yeah. not enough in this strange kind of glitchy thing. You, you mentioned, like, you know, a track like Real Go Getter and kind of it exploding but it explodes in this kind of wonderfully kind of like almost like explosion in the sky crescendo way where it's it's all about the rise of a symbol it's all about like just how that comes in um, mm. like, did you find yourself running down blind alleys and you're like no this is just too much oh big time yeah there's uh, there was lots of weeks of nothing really coming and I didn't really know what I was doing and I was confused about what I'd already made uh, and so you just sort of stare at a blank page and just work and work and work and make loads of really bad stuff that no one would hear and then go out and get drunk with your friends and then come back and 
you know, just there was a lot of uh, back and forth, really. Um, but I got there, I think, in the end. There's a lot of tunes which didn't make it either, which I almost prefer <laughs> <laughs> in a weird way. But they weren't part of the world of the album. Um, and yeah, some of them are going to come out hopefully next year. Yeah. How does the whole Hemingway, you know, right drunk, edit sober thing work in a villager's context? How, say that again? The you whole know, like Hemingway the, what? The right drunk, uh, edit sober thing? It works, yeah. It does work. It's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I think wine is very good for writing words. It's not so good for producing or mixing. Uh, yeah. Which is, yeah, which means you have to give it up, which is good. But um, definitely for writing, there's a lot of, a lot of red wine involved. And so was it a little later in the process that you started thinking about lyrics and started actually... Yeah, so like for about a year or so, it was just reading technical manuals and uh, learning how to connect a studio properly. And I moved into a little um, apartment in town and just built a studio in in a little attic room. Um, And just, yeah, enjoyed the process of, of, of getting obsessed with frequencies and all of the fundamental aspects of music, you know, and which was really fun because it was so far away from all of the talking I did for Darling Arithmetic about social things and, you know, homophobia and being gay and all this stuff. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm so bored of this. I need to remember why I did this in the first place, which is, you know, just the pure love of music. And that's kind of what I got into. Yeah. Sorry, just as you said all that, there's like a, a bizarre, what sounds like, first of all, there's a siren going off outside and what sounds like some kind of car chase. And I'm like, that you couldn't have planned a more symbolic, like, I've, I've basically like changed the game and uprooted myself like as a person now. And then outside <laughs> there's this ominous as fuck thing. So yeah, didn't plan that. You know, not sure it came off on mic, but uh, the timing of it just blew my mind there for a second. So. <laughs> it's interesting, though, that like the, the lyrics did come later because listening to the album, I, I don't know, I got a sense that a lot of things were kind of like fully thought out and fully realised that this was less ponderance and more perhaps a definitive view of certain things, faith, uh, technology being another one. Hmm, yeah. Is that fair? Uh, I'm glad I pulled the wool over your eyes there. <laughs> <laughs> Made it look like I knew what I was doing. Uh, well, a lot of the stuff came out... Uh, I didn't sit down and go, I'm going to write a song or write an album which is about the idea of faith or which is about, you know, um, spirituality and and, and um, which uses words like God, which I'd never really used before. And, you know, I never, I didn't sit down. I just, you know, I just basically, it just came out kind of thing, you know. That's the way it always works, which, make, which makes it difficult to talk about in interviews because it's, this, you know, this is what I do. And I I think when you, when you just do something without thinking too much about it, it's usually much stronger and more successful and interesting. Um and it just turns out that I was thinking about things like that, you know. I kind of like the idea of reclaiming the word God from all of the negative connotations I have attached to it from growing up in a uh, Catholic country. Right. Um, but, yeah. I mean, you keep kind of saying, you know, like that, you know, these things just, just happen, that you're working on them. Like, do, do you have, like, certain deadlines, though, or certain sort of, you know... I need to start now, so on and so forth. Because, I mean, you know, like, obviously you you write and create a lot solo on your own. You've got to have some level of kind of, like, discipline, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, it helps that I've... I was working a bit with um, a Dutch flautist called Micah Vanderlinde. So she would come over and add her flute uh, to my music and then I would... I was kind of making her album with her as well at the same time. So we were kind of working in tandem... And both of the albums started have to have this kind of cyclical feeling about them. Like there was some sort of um, 
yeah, never-ending kind of um, uh, cycle kind of thing. Um, so, you know, I like vibing off other people as well when I'm writing, but... And then, obviously, you get the odd call from your manager and stuff, sort of saying, what are you doing? <laughs> um, and that helps, I suppose, yeah. And even the experience of sort of letting things flow, as it were, because it's something that we discussed a, a couple of months ago when Dave was writing about mental health and music and the idea that, you know, there isn't a nine-to-five, there isn't a, a structure in place. And I was saying that, you know, there's a... A lot of people feel like a, the really romantic idea, you know, of, oh, this lyric came to me at three in the morning, so I jumped up and I scribbled it down, which is kind of romantic. But, like, that must also be quite annoying. Like, it doesn't <laughs> happen to an accountant, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, that we know of. Well, I mean, like, yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, I, like, you know, you're not, like, playing with the children at the weekend and you're like, oh, fiduciary assets. That, that's what I was missing. Whereas for, his, for a musician, maybe that inspiration does come at inopportune moments. Yeah, it's it is a little bit like being trapped sometimes, uh, without sounding too, you know, melodramatic about it. But it is or sometimes like you kind of feel like you can't turn it off, and I'm very bad at turning it off, which is why I got quite into melatonin for sleeping and uh, all these things that I think my my brain is a little overactive at night because I'm kind of really into writing at night. Um, but uh, you know, first world problems, you know. <laughs> It's not exactly the worst thing. First of all, problems, worst but like, like, like I, I'm with you on the restlessness thing and the like finding it difficult to power down at night thing as well. And like, it's really like I'm not a musician, but like I, I, I am a creative person, and it's that kind of like I'm my body is tired, but my head is wired, and I can't yeah. seem to just make the two meet and get a good night's rest, and yeah. then like be up and at them. Like some people have an incredible discipline, and they're up at like five doing yoga, and mm. then they go to work or go to the gym, and I'm like, how? Like, I use my hours in my day, but, like, I, I, I find it really difficult to to come out of that. But I guess, from your point of view, like, in the middle of writing an album... Well, a lot of things gets mag- get, get, get magnified uh, as well, and you start thinking that certain parts of your process are the most important thing in the world, and if you don't get that thing, it's everything's going to be shit, and you're just going to be so unhappy, for, and that happens, and you, mm-hmm. and, and you realise you have to leave <laughs> your tiny box that you're living in and, and go away, and, and, yeah, that happened for a while, and... Um, it's like dysmorphia of some sort, and then uh, yeah, I just and also at the time I realized while I was writing this, I I, I hadn't re- read a book for like two years, so I consciously was like, okay, put the phone down, start reading again, and so for a couple of weeks I just read and read and read, and that made my brain start working and was able to hold on to longer narratives for a little while, and I realized how much of an addict I was at just getting my little dopamine hits all the time, and <laughs> you know, and that helped the writing process and. Um, but uh, it also helps the living process. <laughs> as well. What's on the uh, What's on the Conor O'Brien recommended reads list then? Uh, well, I got really into um, uh, you know uh, I know why the cage bird sings um, by Maya Angelou, uh, who was uh, basically I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah, you are. Um, which is basically just one of the best books I've ever read. I love it. It's just basically her growing up in the Depression era states, dealing with like racism and sexism and terrible things happened to her and then overcoming that and becoming this incredible uh, um, you know person and yeah it's like an autobiography but it's written it's got all these tropes that are usually found in fiction which is really interesting she's kind of fictionalizing her her um i think james baldwin baldwin made her write it he was just like you 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 he was like your life is so interesting you need to fictionalize it and and write a book about it and um also his his stuff 
is incredible, James Baldwin. Just but, basically lots of African-American books. <laughs> whether it was, you know, like directly autobiographical or whether it was a work of fiction, could you see yourself writing a book of your own? I don't think so. I, I don't write words very easily unless they're coming out of my mouth rhythmically with some music. I find it kind of hard to just sit down and write the words. I have the odd things scribbled down, but I wouldn't be able to. I think it takes a different type of brain to do large parts of text. Maybe that'll change, but I tried a little bit before and I just didn't feel at home at all, really. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we were discussing uh, last week when we talked about the album that uh, live, it's obviously going to be slightly different vibe than what people would have seen, I suppose, on your most recent gigs. Yeah. Darling Arithmetic was sort of front and centre. Yeah. What can we expect? Loads of crazy stuff. There's a, there's a there's a guy in in the band called Marcus who um uh, is actually currently part of James Holden's band, um, the Animal Spirits, uh, which is one of my favourite uh, recent records. But um he has this little thing called a wiggle, which is um like a little piece of computer that if you um I'm terrible technically, it's a little piece of computer. <laughs> it's a little piece of like what's what's the word like. Uh, you know when you open up a computer and yeah. there's like lots of little things connecting. What's that? What's like the word a circuit for that? Board circuit or? board. It's like a little tiny piece of circuit board, and you like move it around. And depending on how you've programmed it, it like changes the filter or changes the reverb, and you can do crazy stuff. So we've got that going on in some of the parts of the show. Um, and there's a lot of sequence stuff. And for any tech heads out there, there's a lot of Ableton and lots of MIDI being sent everywhere. And um, it took a lot of work, but. There was a lot of Googling of things like, how does Caribou make his show happen? <laughs> All that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah. And obviously Metropolis yeah. is one of the times when people are going to have an opportunity to see it. Mm, uh, yeah. That's also obviously a, a thing that you are cu- curating, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, the day there. How have you found that? Uh, stressful. <laughs> <laughs> it's been fun, but... um. I'm excited that we're finally getting there, but um, I wouldn't want to be a promoter. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's like, I think I was like, here's 400 <laughs> bands. That, oh, none of them are free. And then there's the whole thing of, like, agents and managers and all these things, and they have their say, and it's like... Are you yeah. preaching to the converted here, mate? Yeah, Don't worry. Yeah, yeah no, I, it's something I've very slowly been learning about on a very small scale, but I'm just like, Jesus, this is tough. Yeah. Why is every Irish band out of the country <laughs> like at this time? Oh, apparently this is like the golden time for Irish bands, fair enough. But hang on, to take this on like in the middle of like an album campaign, yeah, stupid. I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't insult you or anything, but like, really? Surely, like no. this was like, a, yeah, like, it's stupid. I know, I, I, three like, a.m. decision. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it, but I, I think you know. I'm excited about it now. We've got a few people which on board, and 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 I think it'll be good. Um, and David O'Doherty is going to compare it, which will be loads of fun. <laughs> That's an interesting um, one. Yeah, I kind of saw that, and I was like, that could go one of two ways. I, I think it'll go the good way, but at the same time, <laughs> I'd be like, he could just steal that fucking show, and like, you know, like, like, I'll just go home. Like, it'd be grand. I hadn't thought about that. There's a winter oh, tour shit. as well. You're, uh, well, I see you there. I mean, like, like I, I, listen, I once saw Peter Kay come on stage to introduce Eric Clapton. Nothing at a gig surprises me oh, anymore. Wow. <laughs> That's I don't even understand. I don't want to know the clientele that would be in the other audience. It, it was it was just an Eric Clapton gig. Like there was nothing else I, to I, the show. I, I, my, my point stands. Just Peter Kay comes out, <laughs> um, sings 
about two lines of uh, Show Me the Way to Amarillo, you know, that stupid video that he did of that old tune. Yeah. And uh, yeah, then kind of yucked it up for the crowd a bit and then brought on Eric Clapton. People were just like, what is happening? Well, yeah. So that's what you can expect, basically, from, from DOD. It'll be, a, yeah, a version of that. Yeah. Yeah. Bring your A game. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mentioned I went to tour as well. You'd be going around the country. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of, I mean, like, you can probably pick and choose where you go at this stage. So, like, uh, like do you have any To a certain of, extent, yeah. Yeah. What kind of draws you to the places <laughs> that you are going to, though? Um, in Ireland? Yeah, I mean, like, it must be, like, four, four albums in. I mean, like, yeah. Because, I mean, like, like you see people being like, oh, come here instead. Or, like, why aren't you playing X? So Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, just, I mean, it's not a hugely extensive tour, so it's kind of, we're just kind of hitting the, the main areas and... Um, but I'm hoping that we're going to get to do something a little bit more detailed next year um, and also fit Cork in because we didn't get a chance to do that this time Cullum's very hometown. important I know yeah <laughs> Let's. Let's. are we going there okay <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah, no. you can promote because we've, oh, as, as we've yeah, discussed yeah. so yeah. we nearly were booked in for a show in Cork and then we were told it was pantomime season and we would have had to play with all of the pantomime stuff on stage <laughs> right. there was absolutely no way of that happening so we decided last minute to maybe just hold off a little bit longer yeah <laughs> we'll build we'll build that new conference center events thing soon yeah i'm looking forward to seeing how how you guys work together on the business level but for <laughs> now the album is out uh, the art of pretend swim we're huge fans of it thank you so much for taking some time to come and talk thank to you us. thanks for having me on our run thank you cheers, cheers man Thank you once again to Connor for taking the time. Very much enjoyed that. Craig, how upset are you that he mentioned Twin Peaks unprompted and you weren't I know. here? When, yeah, I know. I'm devastated. I was out by an hour. Could he not have just done my lunchtime? Would that not have worked? But um, yeah. Selfish. Um, of course, immaculate haste, as always, from Connor. And it's great stuff. It was. Is our album of the week great stuff? Well, we're going to find out. <laughs> it's been a choosy week, and we chose Suede this is the Blue Hour. That was Life is Golden from Britpop survivalist Suede. We previously discussed their lead single, Don't Be Afraid If Nobody Loves You, a track that Craig and I enjoyed. We wondered why they were playing the board gosh energy theatre as opposed to, like, say, the Olympia. Turns out there's a bit of an operatic tone to this album. Mm. Maybe it fits. Now, Craig, I feel like most people do know who Suede are. Sure. But if they don't, give us a bit of a primer. Um, London band who I think were very much the forerunners of Britpop. They really galvanised that scene at the time. Um, probably didn't quite take advantage of it when it was really in full flow. Um, they were kind of a huge deal when they burst on scene in the early 90s. Um, lost a guitarist, Bernard Butler, quite quickly uh two albums in two tremendous albums in he went on to kind of work with other people and do other things it was quite a fractious um split they had some hits after that 
Um, this is now their eighth album and their third since they kind of reformed. They, they broke up around the turn of the century. They reformed, it must be seven or eight years ago now, and it's, it hasn't really just been a case of surviving. They've been thriving. I mean, critically, certainly, um, they've, they came flying out of the traps with Blood Sports. Um, the last record, it was kind of more concise. Um, they seem to have kind of grander ideas within that. Um, and for me, I think that continues on here. Um, yeah, I just think they're doing tremendous work at the moment. Fanilla Jones, would you agree? Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> but, okay, in my defence, when you were like, oh, we're going to do straight on the podcast, I was like, oh, I automatically need to tap out of this. But, um, yeah, I... Why, though? I don't know. Like, it's not your kind of thing? Not really, no. Like, it's just that Britpop kind of vocal doesn't... It doesn't do anything for me. Like, so I think it's kind of... It's hard to be objective about this because there's a lot of what they did that I can admire and I can recognise like that is good. I just don't like it, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know. There's like that level of grandiose and stuff. It just... Yeah, this is a very searching album. Yeah, and I think what they have done, if it is the aim in terms of it being like really cinematic, it is. But I just think like there's other artists and there's other bands doing kind of this that dark, moody, cinematic thing that I personally find more interesting and more innovative than this, to be honest. I mean, do you have any kind of contemporary examples of that? Oh, The Weeknd. Okay. That's Um, interesting. Well, I I mean, it's like, this is the thing. I mean, like, your palette is your palette. And I find that there are albums and artists, whether they are of, you know, considerable pedigree or whether they are new artists and like you just simply cannot join the party now Suede I'm kind of somewhere in the middle on on this which is helpful as I'm literally sitting in the middle at this table guys pulling back that curtain Gary Barlow style keeping me and Craig separate (laughs) from clawing each other's eyes out I know Again, the Suede are a band that I've always admired rather than loved. I mean, I really have a lot of time for Brett Anderson as a vocalist, and I guess as a lyricist, he might even be underrated. I think yeah, he definitely has so. a sharp tongue about him. This album, I found it very difficult to kind of fully connect with in terms of in a busy week when a lot is going on. I feel like in order to get the full appreciation for this album, you need to really commit to it. Yeah, that's fair. Which is, and like, hey, look, that's great because that's what we want from albums. We want people to still believe in them. Fanula mentioned the cinematic narrative and there absolutely is one. I mean, there appears to be some kind of weird through line in this one where someone's looking for a child or something. Yeah. Yeah, I found that kind of unnerving as well sometimes. It was a bit kind of horror movie. Like someone's like kind of, there's like a search party or something occurring uh, and and it's never fully fleshed out. I think you need to, I think probably my issue was as well that I was listening to it on Shuffle and I think you need to listen to it. Hang on a second. All the way through. (laughs) You're listening to the album on Shuffle. I listen to most albums on Shuffle, yeah. This is blowing my mind. (laughs) <laughs> Whatever about Craig and his weird, you know, Kanye fixation of going back and fixing albums. <laughs> what? Unless, unless it's like... You just leave it up to the universe. Yeah, unless it's Madness. like... Uh, is, like an artist that I would be really into and I'd want to see how the album particularly flows. I was like in your corner there. Oh. I was rooting for you. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm really confused by this. You listen to albums in general on Shuffle. Yeah, I would do, yeah. Wow. I, I feel like this is a betrayal of someone, possibly me. What's um, the issue? Th- 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 the whole point of an album <laughs> is to connect... The sequencing, the, the narrative. Sequencing, the, the narrative, the sequencing, the connecting the dots together. It's just my Spotify is always such a shuffle. And I just th- it's it. very easy to undo that. All you do is press the button. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, back to my point. It probably would have 
helped the narrative a bit more if I had listened to it. Yeah, and like there is around. probably yeah, there is <laughs> moments like one of my favorite moments on the album is when you go from chalk circles, which is this kind of quite heavy thing with you know monk chanting and it's uh, it's like. The, black magic overtones and then it moves into this real rush of guitarists and cold hands and it's like okay you're lifted out of that kind of quite heavy space and it's just like a real injection of energy so there's like brilliant moments throughout the album on this but I totally agree I mean Suede have always been uh, kind of gritty but glamorous and yes really really pompous and you need to buy in like every kind of line Brett Anderson sings is like he's fully committed to it this is the most important thing in the world he's singing about even if you're not quite sure what it is um, and you know this is just drenched in strings as well which I think work really well it's opulent it's dark I think he talked about the narrative being um, it's a lot about his relationship with his son and um, kind of metaphorically the dangers and the horrors of kind of uh, teen them and him kind of talking about youth from his son's perspective. Um, and yeah, you have all those kind of very British morbid things of just being living out in the countryside and dead animals and it gets a bit like, like it's set, it's that blue hour, it's that, that gloaming thing. It's like Radiohead's Hail to the Heath kind of vibe. So yeah, I don't know. I really, really enjoy it. I just to jump off your point I think you're I think where he does that whole father son and the strings and where it all kind of comes together and it's not so much pantomime but where it is like emotional is on the invisibles that was one track where I was like this is really good this is kind of this is getting to me a bit I'm feeling something from this yeah I did enjoy that a lot so yeah it's an album I want to explore more I want to be part of that search party I want to be kind of out there in the weird woods I can see the tone here I can kind of see yeah. exactly like the, the table setting that he's done um, I was very impressed in particular by Beyond the Outskirts I thought that was a really kind of as I mentioned searching uh, Life is Golden was the track that we heard we heard from there to lead us in and I am a big fan of Don't Be Afraid of Nobody Loves You I think I think it just is a really really uh, well put together rock pop song with yeah. a dark edge and I quite like the lyrics and even the sentiment he remains a very compelling force and I just kind of found myself kind of feeling like you know it is theatrical it is on the stage it is kind of like him putting his arms out I was reminded of the Depeche Mode gig I went to a while ago which felt like oh, this kind yeah. of weirdly communal uh, gothic experience and it's more of that um, it's just that like I wonder if this album if it had to come out in like 1997 yeah. would it somehow have more weight or something I, I think so, I yeah. think so they're though. probably a band out of time in that regard um, and he's talked about how this was Suede pushing that kind of Suede thing as far as possible and he said himself, I don't know if we'd go much further. So there probably is a thing of like, if you're not really on board with them already, this isn't the record to start with, most definitely. Um, That's play the wild well. ones on repeat for, yeah. Um, I'll say this. I got from this what I would like to have gotten from the Manic Street Preachers album. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And I, know just, you're, uh, I know you're a big fan of that album. No, I know. I, can, I totally know what you mean. Just in terms of committing to like a narrative, stretching yourself a bit and just having that kind of vitality. Whereas Mannix felt a bit like, oh, here's a bit of this, a bit of that. It was a bit safe. Yeah, I yeah. I, I really enjoyed the ambition of this and the scope of yeah. it. And again, it felt like a performance. It felt like a piece. Whereas the Mannix one just felt a little bit one foot in, one foot out. And yeah. I thought even the songwriting wasn't terribly strong. I think Brad Anderson's a much better lyricist. So I enjoyed this. But I need more time with it, so I'm kind of like a six point five. Okay, yeah, I'd be I'd be an eight. Vanilla. I see. I feel like <laughs> I, if people are listening to this, ratings suck. We like, know, ratings yeah, I just feel like take this with a pinch of salt because, as I said, Zero. not really my voice. <laughs> no, of course not. Minus no, five. I would say like 
5.5 okay. like there was like there was a lot to admire I think it will be if you lo- if you like them I think this would be class oh, like, board gosh like I think it would yeah, sound yeah, yeah. class you need, yeah. so it's opulent. almost like yeah you need a setting to kind of enjoy this in as well like even as a big fan this isn't you're gonna have to be in the mood for this record like yeah. most definitely yeah definitely and like it is a good time of year to release it but I still haven't had the moment with it and yeah. I can see myself coming back to it with a bit more positivity about it sure. it just was difficult to focus on Yeah, but I'm, that's probably what they want so you know fair play it's time as always for the songs of the week there are five songs to pick from and Fanula Jones is our hallowed guest I would like a number from you please give me a four please I will it's Sufjan Stevens speaking of you know getting autumnal and teary and dark teaming up with Gallant for a song called Too Good To Be True. Craig, you ready to get all introspective and reflective and upsetting? Uh, I was, but actually, um, yeah, so Gallant has, he's a um, singer-songwriter um, in the R&B mould from Maryland, and he's worked with Sufjan before. Um, they did a couple of covers, um, and he's really kind of getting that funky, sensuous stuff out of Sufjan. I really dig this track. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna call it a banger, but like as Sufjan Stevens' features go, it was more uplifting and kind of movementy than I was expecting. Yeah, movementy. There's a word for you. Wow, I'm, I'm literally a journalist and the host <laughs> of a show, and I just said the word movementy. Vanilla Jones, put me out of my misery, please. I really, really enjoyed this. I think yeah. they're, it's such a nice vocal sandwich that they have going on here. Vocal just, sandwich. Oh, I like it. it. Just, oh. Episode title. Uh, yeah. I liked how sharing with Noel Edmonds, but we'll see. What <laughs> oh, we'll see what happens. Um, it's lovely. Yeah, Gallant is a really. They both have really unique vocals, and together you might be a bit like. Mm, but no, it it really works, and I think I think a lot of people will like this. It does. Hotline Bling. That was the cover they did, and very good it was too. Sorry, I just I, had for a, a second there. Idiotic, I, your, for your a second there, I thought you were just having a weird Hotline Bling. Now, <laughs> hotline Bling. <laughs> <laughs> that was a song. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, he's like, no, that's what you say about Drake. He gave us Hotline Bling. You know, fair play we'll to him. Drake hid a child. Hot yeah, bling. Hotline Bling. No. Yeah, I don't want to talk about Drake. I feel like you know, it's it's a one way ticket to a courtroom. So oh God, no. Anyway, bring it back, Dave. Bring it back. Number, please, Craig. Number five, please, Dan. Mini Mansions, Midnight in Tokyo. be kind of autumnal strange bop and I'm all for this I'm all for this kind of like we're getting into autumn winter's approaching doesn't mean we can't have weird dark edge bangers here they are yeah uh, I'm a fan of this I like this band in general some of the lyrics don't quite do it for me but definitely musically I mean I think like half the band were on stage with Arctic Monkeys actually um, they have a big tie-in with those guys. Definitely one was. Um, but yeah, they have kind of a big connection with Alex Turner, um, Queens of the Stone Age. And you can kind of hear that 
AM thing with the R&B yeah, definitely. flex and stuff. Um, it's, yeah, it's a bit of a jam. The Arctic Monkeys uh, connection kind of put me off listening to them before this okay. part because I was like, if this is going to be the same, like, I'm I'm not really interested. Like, we have that band, but like, this is, I really like this. You can this say it, Vanilla. Meandering nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, no, I w- was surprised, but pleasantly surprised. I forgot the word pleasant there, hence why I just said surprised. Um, <laughs> but I would agree, some of the lyrics I'm a bit like, oh, there's one thing about being up all night with a girl. I was like, oh. And like just... going down in the valley no, or something. Yeah, oh, why did you just say it again? I'd like to point out that what my praise before I was mostly about the surface level. Oh, me- of course. Musicality yeah, of this. Yeah. They're having a fun time and we're having a fun time listening. Yeah. About and that? now we're having a fun time discussing <laughs> it. <laughs> How about that hotline bling, though? That's <laughs> Tune. Fanula, can I get a number, please? Mm, hit me with that too. <laughs> it's your man, Danny Brown, with Petit Noir. Song's called Beach. goes the beach at this time of year, eh? Yeah. eh? This is me crowbarring a theme into the songs of the week that I hadn't previously thought about. Danny Brown's always good value. Yeah, they've worked together um, as well previously on Rolling Stone from uh, Danny Brown's Atrocity Exhibition, which is um, a tremendous record and just genre hopping, really kind of experimental. Uh, that song in particular is very cool. It has kind of new ordery guitars in it and bass lines and it's, it's quite European sounding and... Um, I really like what they've done here. Um, it has some of that uh, Petit Noir, uh, South African. There's some of that house thing going on, uh, like very chill house thing that Drake tried to, again, back to Craig, <laughs> about that. For the love of God. Go Let it go, man. <laughs> there are other artists in the world. <laughs> Uh, fucking hell and Danny Brown is being Danny Brown um, he's doing a kind of almost like reborn themed verse um, which hits the mark for me uh, I enjoyed it are you aware Fanilla, that Craig once showed Danny Brown how to work a kettle <laughs> no yeah when oh god it's it's years ago now it was during his period where he was trying he to get off he couldn't to work kettle <laughs> famously <laughs> he was trying to get off lean uh, like he was going cold turkey during his like press jaunt around oh my god Ireland in the UK he'd already like stormed out of a Guardian interview and stuff and I was like reading this and hearing about it the day of the interview and I rocked up and like he walked into the room started fiddling with a kettle was just ignoring me and I was like do you want to help with that mate and like just flick the switch and then he was like thanks and then he was great he was amazing he's the sweetest guy of all time it's a really good icebreaker he knew that you were on the level yeah finally you've had your own problems with kettles over the years oh it's don't mention the war like (laughs) but we've sorted it now because now I have a kettle that hold on what explain to the listener oh I can't. It's really more of a visual aid. It's on my Twitter. I'll tweet it after this show goes live again. We'll but it's retweet just, it from the No Encore It's a account. Snapchat story that I put up where basically <laughs> our kettle in our tiny house broke and I had to replace the kettle. But the only kettle that we could afford at the time was like 
the most hideous shade of red and I just the entire Snapchat story is just me full of contempt for this British poppy red kettle <laughs> in ha- summary it has a happy ending though yeah anyway. I got a I got a nice kettle for my birthday this year and it's blue when it's not boiling and then it's red when it is boiling that's awesome right. it's stunning okay I enjoyed the song Craig can I have a number please there's two left one and three uh, three please Dave why it's Mumford and Sons they're back Ramshackle as ever with guiding light. Don't just sit with folded hands and become blind. Cause even when there is no star in sight, you'll always be my only guiding light. Late in my youth, well, I'm still in You know, I say ramshackle as ever, but they went electric on their last album and they're kind of getting away from it, keeping it a little bit, who knows, possibly vanilla. I hated this. Like, I was what's, like, your general, what's your general Mumford & Sons tolerance level? Oh, this is kind of ironic because I did a Mumford & Sons song for my Leaving Cert Music exam, which I cannot remember the name of now. It was off the first album. I actually would have, at the time I kind of vibed with the first album, whatever, after that I didn't listen to What'd you get in the anything. exam? I got like a C1, like I didn't do well at all. It was just one of those things where in the school it was like, oh, if you do it and you do the practical, you have 50%, so it doesn't really matter how you're doing the written. So okay. we were all like, okay. And I loved attention and singing at the time. So it all worked out in the end. There was White Blank Page as the song I did for my leaving cert. So. But um, I haven't listened to really anything since. My housemate is actually a huge fan of them still and still would regularly go see them live on like the festival circuit and stuff. And I'm like... Okay, you do that. Um, but like, I like, again, I tried to be receptive to this and be semi-sound about it, but like, he's, Marcus has started this weird twang thing. Did anyone else notice that? Where he's like, always had the twang, no, hasn't he? No, I think it's way more Wait, wait the twang? twang? No, it's <laughs> Who way... remembers the twang? <laughs> <laughs> do you remember? Oh my God, I just remembered the twang. <laughs> do you remember the enemy, lads? Do you remember, do you remember Jack Pinata? Oh, stop. Oh, the um, twang. No, I think it's way <laughs> How about the pigeon detectives? <laughs> Remember them? Um, I... This is an emergency. Are you done? Um, no. Someone stop me. We will never be done. Um, I, I couldn't. I found it very hard to get through this track because I was just like, it was very... I don't know. It was like he was singing for a different song. I, it didn't... I was like, I can't. I can't do this. You didn't connect with the lyrics about it all being on the line and not slipping away into the night. No. And, oh. This did, is it, so did it for painful. you, Craig? I could already hear it like being blared out in Temple Bar, and that's why I never go near Temple Bar anymore. Um, that's why I never go near Temple Bar. One anymore. of the reasons, um, like I'm a pretty like open guy. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> where, where is this going? Go on. I don't find many rhythms obnoxious, but there's something about this. Oh, gee up, lads, we're back to do what we do best. <laughs> oh, yep, slap it's that so knee. like Mumford and Sons are back, and it's so calculated and awful. And they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> You sound angry about it. They have a weird, like they attempt the kind of folk rock version of a drop towards the end of this, where there's like a psych build and and it's just like, oh, they're just using all the possible tricks that will work in 2018. 
I can't wait till they start doing like tropical house and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait for the Kygo collab. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be lit. I could absolutely see it. I could absolutely see it. Oh, give it four months, I'd say. Literally. They are are the Coldplay of the barn. Not into this. I was never going to be into it. No. But we have to talk about it because they're a big band. Closing out songs of the week, it's time to get solemn. Chris Cornell, who passed away, is back with a final collection of recordings. And this is the lead track. It's called When Bad Does Good. And so was I. Now you're a hunter. But I am a lion. And I will cut you down. Like I've done so. So the Chris Cornell estate have announced a new massive career-spanning box set of his music. They're teaming up with his wife, Vicky, to release a 17-track self-titled album and a 62-track limited edition deluxe box set featuring solo work and songs with Soundgarden, Temple of the Dog and Audio Slave coming out on the 16th of November. So it's from his personal recordings archive. It's very much a Chris Cornell number. It's nice to hear his voice again. Yeah. I guess this can give comfort and closure to fans. I'm always iffy about posthumous stuff, mm. no matter what the circumstances or you know how pure the intention is, which I believe it is here. I just find it really difficult to ascertain an artist who is now no longer capable of like you know having an interview about this song. Is yeah, that weird of me? I know I'm the same. I'm the exact same. But I did, I did like this. There's oh, it's really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. No, it really is. Really I'm, not, really I'm not just saying it. It's a really good song. No, I like, know, but I doesn't just. It just is so genuine and it's so it's very sad like it's but it's good it's not I don't know what the word is you know what I mean it's not like trying to I can't think of it but basically yeah I just found that it's like it's gets to you but it's not I think it offers catharsis I mean I think yeah. it, I think it gives you something it's a reminder of course as if it were needed about just how great his voice was I mean mm. like, and, and he is a good songwriter always was and it's a reminder of what you're kind of missing. And I mean, it's that thing, though, isn't it? I mean, you take people like Chris Cornell for granted unless you're a big super fan. You know, friend of the show, Carlo Malacco, huge fan. I'm sure it was very difficult for Carlo to kind of come to this, as it would be for a lot of fans. But yeah. I would imagine that once they did broach to it, they would feel something approaching a little bit better. At the same time, it is, it's a strange, non-full stop on the career that already seemed to be, you know, great. Yeah, I mean, given the circumstances that, like, lyrically going into it was almost, you know, a bit disconcerting, just how kind of bare it was. But then actually ultimately comforting, I think, uh, the fact that, you know, we just kind of recorded, produced and mixed by him. Um, there's a real intimacy to it. Uh, he's very much kind of in control of every part of it. Um, I like the way it builds. It, it's just a strong song. It doesn't feel like oh, this was just a demo that was released. Do you know what I mean? It's a, it's a, it's it does them justice. Um, and it, I'm glad it's out into the world. So yeah, a good song. Yeah, it doesn't feel cobbled together. No, it's like no. it feels like if you were still alive, it would have been something that he would have put out anyway. And it's just very good. I wasn't expecting to actually like it as much as I did, but yeah. yeah. I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, it, it's a well, as I say, a really, really nice and poignant reminder of a tremendous musician who's gone way too soon. In our other listening corner this week, I've been going on a couple of album anniversaries. Dear Science by TV on the Radio, a phenomenal album. Mm. Turned ten years old recently. It's terrifying. Family <laughs> Tree is exceptional. <sighs> Family Tree, heartbreaking. My God, what a song! What a perfect song. That album's amazing. I think I think it's five stars. I think it's ten out of ten. 
Yeah, I'd huge agree. fan. Holds up. Love listening to it. Didn't even realize it turned ten. Great excuse to dig it out. And an album that has turned forty years young is Blondie's Parallel Lines. Wall to wall belters. Debbie Harry remains amazing. Great album. Go check it out. Forty years, so Jesus. Yeah, that's insane. Um, what have I been listening to? Um, the new Christine and the Queens album. Is- oh yes, we chose to review Suede over Christine and the Queens, and Fanula sent me a message <laughs> inferring. That we made the wrong decision. Well, he did. He absolutely did. <laughs> okay. The, you can blame the me. The Christina the Queen's album is magic. It's is just, it really good. I saw I some really, lukewarm. really, really, really. Okay. You can blame I Craig. Been, yeah, I'm actually not the bad guy. I really didn't like. I didn't vibe with the first single at all. I was yeah. and actively avoided the album because I was like, I'm not going to like it. And it's just, I don't know. And just after reading interviews with her and stuff, it what I think what she set out to achieve, she did on it. And I think that really comes across, and you can really hear it. But I think it's just the musicality of it. It's just so beautiful. Just such good, happy, like romantic pop music. And I love that. That's that's my biz. The um, album is o- called Chris. Yes, the it's album out, is called Chris. It's out now. Yeah. The other album that I was, that I haven't really settled on yet, and I don't know how I feel about it, would be the No Name album. She is oh, the yeah. most ridiculous delivery and flow that I've ever seen. But it is quite a I'm finding it kind of a hard album to listen to in terms of themes and in terms of emotions it's it's quite sad but um, not I haven't 100% made up my mind yet on it so yeah we'll I gave see. it like a, a play or two but I, I just I didn't really have time to sink into it so I'll have to return to that I've been listening to a lot of uh, Griff Rees new solo album um, Babelsberg which is just fantastic he's one of the best songwriters around uh, this is like lots of strings it's um the Welsh Orchestra doing their thing, if you like that kind of thing. Drones in the City is one of the best songs of the year, I think. So definitely check that one out. Limited Edition Heart. He's a great pop songwriter and a good man, by all accounts. <laughs> well done. <laughs> what, he's a fucking lawyer? So anyway, uh, have either of you been keeping up with, like, tw- tw- Rolling 2018 playlist? Have you, like, been keeping one going? Your one. No, have you been keeping one going of your own? Like, do you have... I always start them and then just forget to keep yeah. adding to them. I'm mm-hmm. really bad. I think I might... Maybe I'm going to do it now. now I'm setting you both actually... the task because uh, Craig there is a fiend for one of the best songs of the year, and I'm like, "Where's the related player, this man?" Because you and I have this, like, we, we, this we, is true. Yeah. We have different tastes. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. fine. I will say though, I know Colin was talking about potential albums of the year and whatever. Like, nothing has come close to me yet uh, in comparison to the Casey Musgraves album. Like nothing, unless yeah. Foles come out tomorrow with a surprise release. I'm going to be all over that shit. But yeah, just in case anyone was curious, that's what's leading it for me at the minute. So. High praise indeed, Fanula. High praise indeed. A reminder that No Encore goes live on Sunday, October the 14th in the Workman's Club with tunes and a chat with Lilla Vargan, a conversation with photographer Christian Tierney and more to be announced mm. still. Get your tickets, Ticketmaster, 13 euro, available on the door probably, but you know, buy them in advance so that we can crow about it and then come <laughs> hang out with please. us afterwards because we're going to get fucking wrecked. Uh, so anyway, this episode of the show was engineered by Sonic Architect and Mumford and Sons fan. Oh, yeah. oh sorry. Eve sorry. Murray, who presumably has turned down your mics for that segment That's and the rest it, yeah. of the show itself. Back next week, probably with a full house. Who knows if Cullen will return from... Oh, yeah, Cullen's coming back with a review of Hamilton the musical yeah. next week, by the way. He'll I be running straight to, to the studio. That. So <laughs> look out for that. I may just take that show off. And once again, Vanilla, thank you so much for coming in. You're the best. Thanks for having me, guys. Always great. Always welcome, always welcome. Our exit music this week is a song that I'm very, very excited about, guys. It's a new project by Ben Garrett, the drummer for Overhead the Albatross, alongside Dave Prendergast, also an Overhead the Albatross. The new band that they've put together is called We Had Zillions. Going to play a track called Endless as their debut. 
and they wrote it in their studio, Cleek Recordings, produced along with Jason Boland of Codeline fame. Hmm. And this is right up my street. If you like Overhead, the Albatross, and, you know, the kind of like post-rocky, kind of really kind of life-affirming, searching stuff that mixes in kind of textures and elements and also has a driving force, you'll be right at home here. Uh, this really is my kind of frequency, and I love it. I think it's fantastic. Well done, Ben and Dave. Delighted to play it on the show. So this is Endless by We Had Zillions. My name is David William Hanready. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. Enjoy this song. It's awesome.
not machines. We are people exploring the universe. You see a beauty that never could have been possible. The fact that we are not machines. We are people exploring the universe. You see a beauty that never could have been possible. The fact that we are not machines. The fact that we are not machines, we are people exploring the universe. You see a beauty never could have been possible. We're with us. And we're alive. I was completely blind. Podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hey guys, this is Gabby Douglas. If you have an active lifestyle like me, hydration is key. That's why I love the hydration watermelon smoothie from Smoothie King. Blended with whole fruits, coconut water, and more electrolytes than some of the leading sports drinks. Hydration watermelon is the cleaner way to hydrate with no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives so you can recover and perform at your peak ability during the summer heat. Order online or through the app for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.